Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. And today we're going to take a look at some uh, some terms. Uh, very often as Christians, we use terms and I'm not sure we fully understand what some of the phrases or terms that we use. And uh, I think every Christian has heard or used the term, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Now, there are only five words to that statement, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And yet these five words are the foundation of the entire New Testament. I think you would agree with me that as a Christian, I need to understand what the key three words are. And that is Jesus, Lord, and Savior. I need to know what they mean. Our eternal salvation and peace and joy in life depend on knowing and believing and acting upon each of these three words. Now, before we look at the words Jesus, Lord, and Savior, we have to agree that they only have meaning, these words only have meaning if it's by faith. In other words, it's not simply knowing about these terms, but it requires knowing, believing, and living accordingly. Remember what Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now sometimes we learn scriptures, scripture verses like Hebrews 11.1, 1, and we really don't take the time to really understand what it means. So let's do that first. Let's, let's look at the word faith and the definition of faith as we find in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now the first part of the verse is, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we hope for what the scriptures promise. We know that the scriptures are God-breathed, which means that the scriptures are not the words of men, but the words of God. And we know that God cannot lie. Therefore, the scriptures are true. He keeps, God keeps his promises. Now, I want to introduce a term, and the term is called, it's called mental assent. Now, mental assent means we believe or agree with something that, that it's true, but it doesn't change us or transform us. In other words, it's just an intellectual understanding. Now, I remember when I was taking an evangelism course a long time ago, I can remember an example of the difference between mental assent and true faith. And the instructor or the teacher pulled out a chair and put it in the center of the room, and he asked everyone, do you believe this chair will hold you up? And of course, everyone answered, yes, the chair will hold us up. And then the teacher said, that's an example of mental ascent. But then he went on to say, when you sit in the chair, that's true faith or trust. You see, believing something is true is mental ascent. But actually using or doing it is trust. Mental ascent alone doesn't change our behavior. Or our actions but true faith does so faith starts with mental assent but something else is required to complete that faith and that is trust the second part of the verse that we just read is the evidence of things not seen now this is the hard part of faith this is where faith turns into sight seeing the invisible the spiritual when faith becomes sight then we can trust. Mental assent plus trust is equal to true faith. Now, 
God is moved by true faith. God's not moved by mental assent. True faith not only believes, but also trusts God to fulfill his promises. Now, this kind of faith requires action. In other words, it becomes becoming doers of the word of God. True faith transforms. Genuine faith means that we trust in Jesus and his ability to save and the ability to transform us to become the person that the Lord Jesus died for and created us to be. Now, let's take a look at that first word in that in the original statement, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Our faith has to be in Jesus. Our trust must be in him and him alone. He alone is the one who went to the cross and paid for our sins. He adopted us into the family of God and gave us heaven. You see, your denomination didn't die for you. Your local church didn't do it. Your pastor didn't do it. Trying to be good won't do it. All of these things I mentioned are tools that God uses to bring the gospel, but only faith in Jesus can save us. Listen to what Jesus said to Thomas, the disciple, when he asked, how can we know the way? And Jesus said to Thomas and the others that were listening, and he said this in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father. Let me repeat that. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, there's no other way to the Father except through faith true faith in Jesus Christ. Take a moment with me to examine this verse a little more closely. I am the way. Jesus said, I am the way. And there are many in the world today uh, trying to convince us that there are many ways to God. However, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 12 says, nor is there any salvation in any other, meaning Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And the context of this verse, of course, is speaking about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Then Jesus himself speaks about himself in John 10, beginning in verse 1. And Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That's Jesus. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus makes it clear that he is the only way to the Father, and those who would follow him would live, abund live an abundant life. In John, again, chapter 10, beginning in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. But the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's Satan, of course. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they have, may have it more abundantly. Come on, be, be honest. Who wouldn't want 
the abundant life. Who wouldn't want the life that Jesus Christ provides for us? But then he goes on, he says, I am the way, but then he says, I am the truth. Now, what does that mean? Well, remember, we believe in a triune God. That means that we believe in one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. This means the three share the same attributes or characteristics. In John 14, beginning in verse 16, Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, which he will send. And it begins in verse 16, and it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another helper, just like me. That's the actual translation. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus goes on to say, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He will come to us through his Holy Spirit. As a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit comes to make his home inside of us. And his wisdom and power and authority are available to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I really need a helper in my life. Because I know I can't be all that Jesus wants me to be without his help. Again, Jesus speaks of the spirit of truth in John 16, beginning in verse 13. Jesus says, however, when he, meaning the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. You see, the Spirit, Jesus, and the Father are one. Then Jesus went on to say, I am the life. I Remember, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus gives life in two ways. The first, of course, is eternal life with God. The second is finding purpose and meaning in this life. Without doubt, having eternal life is the most important. 1 John, beginning in chapter 5, Jesus says, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his Son, meaning Jesus. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son, the Son of God, does not have life. And then Jesus goes on to say, These things I have written to you, that you believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So this truth of eternal life in Jesus is apparent to those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mind to comprehend. And that's the work of the Spirit in the individual. I heard someone say recently that the two most important events in life are one, when we are born. The second is when you find out why. When Jesus becomes our Savior, it is for a purpose. And we spend our lives finding and fulfilling our purpose in God. 
Walking in our God-given purpose is where we find love, joy, and peace, all that he promises. Remember Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And finally, in that statement of, of, of Jesus, he states that no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that there is only one way to salvation and relationship with God the Father, and that is through accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. Now, getting back to the rest of the phrase, Jesus, my Lord and Savior, I'm going to look at the word Savior before we look at the word Lord. Faith in Jesus as Savior means that Jesus has done all of the work. It is a work of grace. Salvation is Jesus' work. No person can add or subtract from it. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For by grace means that it is a gift of God. And like all gifts, the gifts must be accepted. The, the God's grace can't be earned. It can't be deserved. It, it, it is freely given, but it must be freely accepted. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, beginning in verse 8. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scriptures say, Whatever, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, will not be disappointed. And then he goes on to say, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the, Lord, on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter uh, what, what your, uh, your, your, your education. It doesn't matter from what group or caste or, or, or class you come from. In God's eyes, we are all the same. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Having confidence in your salvation should bring with it a new perspective on this life. Knowing that you're forgiven and accepted by the Lord changes how you see yourself and, and what you see as important in life. Knowing that heaven is yours also changes how you see your life today. As the Apostle, the Apostle Paul says, we, we run the race. The race is difficult. It's challenging. But we know that one day we will cross the finish line and heaven will be ours. We'll be able to see Jesus face to face. That is our ultimate goal. Now, faith in Jesus as Lord, now I've taken this out of order, but, but remember, Jesus, Jesus as Savior, that's his work. But Jesus as Lord, that's our work. The word Lord means king or master, 
And when we, when we use that word, it means that we will obey the Lord. A Christian is defined as one who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. Following the teachings of Jesus means obedience to what he has called us to. Jesus has called us to a life of righteousness, a life filled with love, peace, and joy, unconditional love for one another, to be at peace with everyone where it is possible, and to know the joy of being loved by God. Our value in life is based upon what God says about us rather than what others around us say. And the Lord says, as followers, we are precious in His sight. Now, all these things which I've mentioned are based upon our obedience to the Word of God. Our actions, our behavior, are the evidence of what we believe. Jesus says, if you love me, then obey my commandments. It's not enough to be a hearer of the Word. Remember, that's mental assent. But we are called to be hearers and doers of the Word. That's trusting the Word. This is where many have missed the wisdom of God because they've given mental assent to the truths of the Bible but have not applied those truths to their lives. The Apostle James makes it abundantly clear that faith without works is dead. True faith is more than just knowing the truth. It is knowing the truth and applying the truth. Listen to what James says in the following verses. That's James 2, beginning in verse 14. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister, he's giving an example now, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but you do not give them the things which they are needed for their body, what does it profit? In the same way, faith by itself, if it does not have a working, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Then he gives another challenging example. You believe that there is one God and you do well. But even the demons believe, but they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now, the, the meaning, the purpose of this is not about works. It's the idea that, that we have to be doers of the word. See, being a doer of the word is the evidence that we truly believe. It gives life to our faith. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That's James 2, verse 26. And so I say, give life to your faith. Become a doer of the word. Become obedient to the word of God. Be, be obedient to the, to the, as, as the Spirit prompts you and encourages you to, to do acts of faith. Don't be just a hearer only, but be a hearer and a doer of the word. Because when you become a doer of the word, you glorify your Father in heaven. You elevate the name of Jesus. You are fulfilling your purpose in this life. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you the next time. 
and uh, sharing some some more uh, words of uh, words of truth uh, from the scriptures. And until then, may God richly bless you. May God rich. May God clearly speak to your spirit and encourage you to step out in faith to fulfill the call that's upon your life. God bless you. See you the next time. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations are from the New King James Version of the Bible. Copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson. Used by permission, all rights reserved.